sort of make me understand what father fatherhood is like. The acceptance, the love. I could go to him. I could talk to him. I could take my worries and cares to him. And as a father of three, now, a young father of three trying to learn how to do this job, I am learning, of course. Like you, I'm not perfect. And the other day, I was trying to have devotion with my kids. And I would rather read the book and interpret the good book and we will apply it to our lives. But my daughter, she's found this app on the phone with somebody who come and speak, you know, video and all that. And I felt, oh, we don't have to use the video. Let's just do what we're doing. On Fridays, we have Superbook. Today, let's just read the book. And she just, oh, no, daddy. And she screamed and she stormed out. And I said, what? And I went up to, how can you do that? You just shouted at me and stormed out. No, 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 that's not what you can't do that. <laughs> and my wife came through and stood between us two. Between the living and the living. And she calmed the situation down. And I said, well, in a way, I blew it, you know. But how could she say, no, daddy, and screamed out at me. I never did that to the people I called daddy. You can't even do it. What? <laughs> you, when you're punished, you still say thank you. That was the way we grew up. <laughs> you know. I want to thank God for these people. And I want to thank God for every dad here. And as we follow Christ, we're learning. And like I said in the morning, I have a deep conviction that as we pray, as we trust, as we model the life of Christ to this kid, they will turn out right. She will be right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. She'll be right. Did you cast the, catch the last statement? Very Australian, Abby. She'll be right. You know what? I was just compliment. I was reading. I read this wonderful little statement that said, "Being a dad is like shaving. No matter how good you shave today, you'll have to do it again tomorrow." And that's like fatherhood, isn't it? Today, no matter how good you were today, you know you got to get up tomorrow morning and be a dad again, uh, and and then the following day again and again until, of course, they finally would move on, uh, get married, or whatever they may do. But we're always. Uh, there's always, and even when they leave, uh, there's always a need for a dad. I thought that my daughters are all kind of mature and doing their own thing and everything, but you know what? Then it comes grandchildren, and you've got to be a dad again, and a mother again, and I've discovered that uh, I'm, I'm learning again to do it all again. It's just the good thing is you just don't have to keep them. You can, that's good, isn't it? You give them back. <laughs> now, I enjoy, I, I'm enjoying it, but... Uh, I've had to pull out of the cupboard all those fathering ideas again. Oh, I've got to do the right thing. I just can't, you know, got to be the father. So I, I wanted to just share with you this morning just a couple verses. Um, now, whether today you are a father, whether today you've never had a father, I appreciate and respect that in some cases. Uh, whether you're a grandfather today, uh, whether today um, there's all different circumstances. Maybe you've got a stepfather or a or a foster father, I don't know. There's all different situations.
But I just love this passage because it relates to all people, not just fathers today, but it relates to all of us, whether they're mothers, fathers, children. If you're in a family or you have a relationship with someone in a family, this, these thoughts relate today and can, you can apply them. But I want to turn to a, a passage of Scripture, John chapter 5, just for a moment, in verses 18 to 20. Just three verses. And um, just to give you a bit of a backstory, this story is Jesus has walked into Jerusalem. He's walked past a pool, it was called the Pool of Bethsaida. And there at that pool, there was a lot of uh, sick people. And Jesus healed a man who had 38 years been lame. I mean, that is a good day, isn't it? This man's been 38 years, couldn't walk. And finally, Jesus is healed. He picks up his mat and he walks away. Amazing. Not everybody was amazed about that day. There was a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes. And they hated Jesus for doing that because he healed on their precious and very special day called the Sabbath. And the reality and truth is the Sabbath was created for men, not men, um, you know, for the Sabbath. And, and, and the reality is, is that the Sabbath was always meant to, intended to be a rest day and a day of worship of God. But the Pharisees had turned it into a day when all these rules had to be applied and they really mucked up uh, what was to be the Sabbath. And they had all these requirements. And, and one of them was you couldn't help another person on the Sabbath. And so Jesus did help someone and so they hated him for it. And you'll see that not only did they hate him, but they wanted him, literally they wanted him dead. They wanted him out of the, their lives. And so Jesus is feeling the heat of that because it wouldn't be many months later that he knew he would die on a cruel Roman cross. And so he, he responds to them with a remarkable statements to these Pharisees. So we'll read from verse 18. I want to show you verse 18, 19 and 20. John chapter 5. It says, for this reason, they tried, that is the Pharisees tried all the more to kill him. Who? Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal with God. Because the verse before, Jesus actually says, my father and not our father. He says, my father. Verse 19. And then Jesus answered them, answered the Pharisees, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all him all he does, yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And as I said, not everybody was amazed that day because the Pharisees um, just uh, they they um, just deliberately and purposely went about trying to get rid of Jesus. The interesting thing about this passage that I re think really relates is that Jesus, while he was totally God, was also totally man. It's a it's a it's a, it's a it's a concept that can be difficult to grasp, but he was not just God, but he was also men. So he felt what you and I felt. He experienced the things you and I felt, feel. He, he felt pain. He felt he had emotions. And so these Pharisees, they, they, they put the heat on Jesus. They said, you know, we want you, not only are we going to persecute you, but we want you dead. And Jesus knew his time would come when he would be murdered and placed on a cross. And so he's feeling. But the interesting thing is, in the midst of this sense of what he's feeling, he tells them something deliberate about him and his father and the relationship between him and his father. And he says, you know what? I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. And he goes on to explain the relationship. 
while he's feeling the discomfort and the heat of what the Pharisees want to do to him, he, he, I believe Jesus found incredible comfort and strength in knowing the qualities of what his father thought of him and, and that his father loved him. Because you know what? When our kids face difficult times, when our children face struggle times, or when you're facing struggle time, it's always good to know that there is someone who is really important, like a father or mother or, or a strong friend in your life, that no matter what other people think of you, they still love you. And you know what? Our children find incredible healthy identity, healthy emotional response in the midst of knowing that there's a parent or a father or a mother that actually loves them no matter what happens at school or what happens in the, on the sporting field or whatever happens to their friendship group, whatever happens to their peer peers. Hey, you know, in the end, if they don't like me, you know what? There's something healthy here and that's that there's a father that loves me. And I tell you what, that's powerful because it creates a healthy identity, healthy confidence. Besides the relationship you want your children to grow with God, grow with God and know that God's incredible love for them and, and grace towards them. So Jesus, so we see in this situation that Jesus in these several verses, he just, he lays down some really important, he tells the Pharisees, you know what? And the first thing, one of the things in verse 20, he says, he says, you know what? <laughs> it, it, I, I'll take some liberty here. He didn't, he didn't say this, but he would have thought, I don't really, really want, mind what you Pharisees think of me. Because in verse 20, it says, for the father loves the son. The father loves the son and shows him all he does. So a heavenly father, Jesus Christ, knew that his father loved him. And I believe that created incredible comfort and peace in his heart in the midst of what he was facing, especially moving in to the rest of these months and, and, and time of ministry, knowing that his ultimate um, life would be, end up on a cross, a cruel Roman cross. So the wonderful thing about Jesus, he knew that the father loved him. And you know what? And God verbalized that. God verbalized. There was a time when Jesus went up on a mountain. They call it in the Bible in Matthew, the Mount of Transformation, and where they had this encounter. Um, and, G and, and God audibly spoke, because three of the disciples are there, Peter and John and James, and God audibly spoke. And God said, this is my son and who am I well pleased. Listen to him. So God the Father at times was willing to verbalize his love and acceptance and understanding to his child. Can I say that our children need to hear from their parents that they're loved? They need to hear it. They, we, we just don't need to assume it. We need to speak it. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes we can, we can think they know. Oh, they know that. No, no, no. I, I, think, I think every opportunity should be taken to verbalize it. But here's the point. Sometimes verbalizing it is, while that is incredibly good, it is also incredibly good as a father to be able to show it and reflect it in everyday life. And sometimes in life, you get these opportunities as a dad to show it more, more clearly to your child than other times. More openly than other times in your life. And you know, I've discovered, and I am far from perfect as a dad, and there's times when I've just thought, boy, I blew that so much. I'm like Abby, I think, Father, I didn't do that well. There's other times I've learned, and I've learned from those lessons. And so there's a thing, there's another word that goes with love, and it's the, the word unconditional. You know what unconditional love is? It's the love that you're willing to show a child or to show somebody no matter what happens in that, in that situation. No matter what the circumstances, you're willing to still love that person. And, you know, when your child breaks that favorite 
item, that favorite glass, that favorite coffee mug of yours, or when they drop the bottle or glass bottle of water on the kitchen floor and it's, it's glad it spatters, you know, it goes everywhere. That's happened in our household. Or that child, or that child um, doesn't live up to your sporting a- aspirations or dreams. Or maybe that child doesn't get the grade you wanted them to get. Or maybe they don't, they don't, that, um, you, you can't watch your favorite TV show because you need to take them to a very important event for that child. Or you need to go somewhere with them that's very important. You can't do what you wanted to do as a father. You know, they're the times, there's the opportunities, the times that you can show incredible, unconditional love right there. It's the time to shine as a parent. That's when they see that they are more important than your material possessions. More important that they are more important than your dreams for them. They're more important than, the, the, than your comfort when you, you know, when you have to get up and do something for them and you just want to just veg out or do something else. It's more important. That's the times when it really does shine. When I think it's called sacrifice, <laughs> isn't it? And I ask myself the question, how do I do that? And I, as I look back over my opportunities to father my three daughters, I realized it was the times that I showed unconditional love when I bit my tongue, not literally, obviously, and, and when they accidentally dropped something or done something accidentally, didn't do it on purpose, and when I hold back my tongue and I hold my anger and don't react. Because I've discovered with my children, my first reaction is always the reaction they're looking at. My first reaction. You know, if they drop something, they'll look at you and, oh, what are you going to do to me? And you go, hey, it's cool. Was it an accident? Righto. Let's pick it up together. Let's sort it out. Now, there might be times teaching time later. Because you say, hey, you know, you know, that's the fourth glass in four days. <laughs> do you think you might be just needing to do something a little different here? But it's in love that you... It's not out of the anger. It's not out of the, that bad. The first reaction, the first response. They always say when someone's hurt themselves, the first responders are very important. It, and you know, when your child is looking for you to love them and they know they've done something wrong, even though it was an accident, they're looking for your first response. What will it be? Because if they see your smile and your love and your support and your understanding of them, that's what they'll, they'll see and they'll know there's an unconditional love working right here. They don't know it is unconditional love. They just know it is someone who's willing to care for them and, you know, well, you know, look after them. So how do we do it? We hold back our anger. You know, even though it's, you know, things get a little bit rough, they didn't mean it, they're just trying to grow up. How do we do it? How, well, drive them to the party with their friends with a smile and not telling them on the way. Do you know I'm giving up my favorite television show to drive you here? They don't need to hear that. You just need to be the, you just need to be the dad, the mum, the, the friend. So how do you do it? Encourage them anyway when they, they don't live up to your expectations. I discovered that over the years. Gee, I would have, you know, I've been the parent that's walked away across the court with my daughter when she didn't get into the rep team, netball rep team, and all the others did, you know, and I thought, gee, I I wanted her to be in that team. Give up your expectations and just encourage them. They're feeling it already. You don't have to give a heap any more on them. So they're the times when we show this unconditional, incredible love for for these children. How we respond. And you know what? You could apply that principle right across your relationships. How we respond to each other. How we respond. Here's another one from these verses. Verse 19. Jesus said about his dad. 
Remember, he's talking about his dad. He, I, I think in a way, he's, he's, he's comforting himself with this thought that my father loves me. Here's the second one. The son can do nothing by himself. Verse 19. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. He also does. So notice how Jesus says, I do what I see my father do. So Jesus was able to say, my father, my father was a great example. Now, do my girls say that about me? I don't know. I'll have to ask them that question. There's certainly times when I wasn't a great example. There's certainly times when I just blew it and didn't do the right thing. Um, but I've discovered they're the times when I purposely would come back and say, hey, I'm sorry. Do you know sometimes your children can learn from your failures as many as your wonderful um, successes? But it all starts with the humbleness of our hearts, doesn't it? It all starts with the humility as a father, a mother, or a relationship, and being willing to say, hey, I just blew it. And you know what? They've learned that my dad actually loves me enough to be bigger than his own ego and willing to say sorry. There have been special times. But so, see, we need, a, we need an example. Jesus said, my father was a great example. And I've discovered what our children see us do as parents is sometimes far greater than what we say. The truth is our children will do the right thing, not often because of what we tell them to do as much as what we show them to do. More is caught than taught, you know the, you know the saying. And that is so true. We, so true. And if I could give you three, uh, there's three houses that you need to help your children respect. Three houses that you can be an example to them. In your, uh, as a parent, three houses. I'm talking about uh, literal, I'm talking about house, H-O-U-S-E. And the first house I've discovered, and, and you can be an example to them, is to help them respect the house of God. Uh, not a building. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about, uh, to, you know, don't expect your children to live for God if we don't live for God. Because often they'll follow your example. I've discovered that um, um, don't expect them... Uh, you know, don't expect them to grow up to be godly. If there's one thing, if you're one thing at church and then completely different at home. There's one thing I've learned standing here. And if I'm any different here to, to around the kitchen table on a Sunday at lunchtime with my three daughters, if I'm any different, they're going to pick up on that because they, you know what? Children pick up on fake people so quickly. Fake dads. And if, if I can't be what I'm, be there is what I am here, what I'm in public and what I'm in private, I tell you, it, it speaks to them that maybe, you know, this whole God thing is not really worth living for. And so through my actions and attitudes and my example, and I didn't get it right, uh, they learn to respect God. Isn't it interesting? They learn to respect God, respect this house, respect Him through our example. Now, you might think, well, that's a lot of weight on my shoulders. Well, you know what? You've got a God that can be your strength to help you do that. It can help you do that. So we, not only do we need to help them to live an example of how to respect God's house, but second, how to respect the house that they live in. How to respect, in other words, how to respect and grow in respect for people that live in their home, in their house. And children, I've discovered, will learn to love their mother by the way the father treats that mother. And how I treat my wife, I discovered, would be how my daughters learned to treat my wife, with respect. But if as a father I'm willing to not respect my wife, it's interesting how the children pick up on that and don't respect them either. 
And then vice versa, pe- mothers with, uh, uh, with their husbands or wives with their husbands and, 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 and even other siblings in the family, how you treat them as a father, it, the children will pick up on that. And so, it, you know, you don't mean to teach them things sometimes, but you teach them a lot of good stuff simply because you just do the right thing. And then sometimes I've taught the bad things because I didn't do the right thing and they pick up on that as well. So it's not only be an example of God's, God's house, but to respect that, but to respect their own house. But then there's a third area in how to respect their house, that's themselves. The Bible says that you and I are a tent, or we're, we're a temporary dwelling for us to live in at the, well, at the moment. This body is just temporary. It's not going to last forever. We all understand that. But we as parents or as fathers can res- teach our children to respect that. We can help them to have, you know, by exampling good self-esteem, healthy identity, and they'll e- example that in their lives and they'll follow through. But mistreat yourself. <laughs> Here's one I see. Overwork. <laughs> and you, sometimes your children follow your, your ways. Overeat and they'll follow your ways. Not always. You see some children say, I'm not going to be like that and, and go the opposite direction. They take the good qualities and leave the bad ones behind. That's good. But I found whether I like it or not, I've been an example to my children. Whether I like it or not. And, 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 it, and you know, the reality is that some your children, and when people can give you, they can say, you know what? That when they say, you've been, you, your children are just like you. That can be an incredible compliment, can't it? Or it can be horrific it could be horrific. Um, what's the word? Not a compliment at all. It depends what they see and, and what they follow through with. So I, I, Jesus, Jesus says, you know what? My father loves me and he's been a great example. And while I think we need to realize that we're not God, <laughs> we're not God. So there's the faults and the mistakes. But I'm so thankful uh, today that one of the, the principles that I found as a dad that I continue to apply in the midst of my mistakes as a dad, I would cry out to God every day of my life. For the last 29 years, my kids have been around. I've said to God, it doesn't take more than a couple of minutes. I said, God, would you put your hand upon my children and my grandchildren? And I pray for them individually. It didn't take much, but I'm just thankful for where I, dis- where I, where there was a gap with my parenting. God filled it, and I'm just so great- grateful for that. As I sincerely continue to pray for our kids, and we can do that, can't we? Come on, prayer every day. It just literally takes a few moments to pray, but to deliberately lift them up before God and believe that God, I didn't get this right, but God, I just ask that you would show them that you would impart something of life to them because they care for you. The reason that you even might be here today is because of a praying parent, a praying grandparent, whatever it might be. And we uh, maybe look back and be thankful for that. And we need to be the same. Can we uh, stand today as we close and we're going to finish right now? You know, we can't change our past because I look at some of my mistakes and, and the only it almost feels like they're set in cement. But, you know, as I... Give it to God. I'm glad that he takes the past and he can even turn it around. He says all things can work together for good, can't they? And even our mistakes. So the past is past, but today is a new day. And you can certainly, you can't change your past, but you can change your future, can't you? You can starting today. So I just want to pray for you.
uh, today as we go into this Father's Day. And hopefully, if you've got a father, you might be able to see him today or spend some time with him. I hope it's a positive time. If it's not, let me just pray. Father, today, I thank you for every person. I thank you that you are an incredible father. You set an example for us. And we see it in the Bible that Jesus said, you are great. You love me and that you're a great example to me. And God, I know that um, there's a lot of us dads, we know that we haven't been that. I'm very honest about that. But I pray that you would undertake where we haven't been and that you would put your hand upon our kids and that they would be drawn to you. They respect you. They respect the house they live in. They respect themselves because they know that they're loved. And Father, you'd help us from this day where we've fallen short, Lord, as fathers, as mothers, as friends, that you'd help us not to fall short, but to, Father, to pick it up and to let you work through us and to be that dad, that mum to those children. Give us wisdom. God, we need that. Holy Spirit, come and dwell within us because you in us makes all the difference. Your presence gives us love and joy and peace. And so, Father, we commit dads to you today. We commit granddads to you today. We commit dads who have been there for others, but not biological dads. Help us to be that, Lord. And never see that, um, help us never to think it's all finished, it's all lost, that we could do something, that you could work something to bring and restore relationships between parents or fathers and children. And if that's needed today in certain areas today, I pray that you would help us to start to work forward with the power of the Holy Ghost and see restoration between children and parents today. Father, we ask this and we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, church. Encourage someone today. Amen. Yeah, give him a hand. He's worthy of it. Come on.